This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's the worst up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome, everybody, to the Republic of Football. I am your host, Mike Craven, joined as always by Corey Hogue. This is the small college edition of the week. We are past week seven, going into week eight. A lot of these teams now are, you know, what, two-thirds, three-fourths of the way through the through the regular season, definitely on, on the back half of the regular season here at the sub-FBS ranks. Corey, how are you hanging in there? Oh, it's going well. We're starting to really get some of this ironed out. Some conferences are starting to get figured out. Some others are just kind of getting underway. The WAC and Southland are far from being decided, while – the LSC could be decided this week, and uh, so could the uh, Sooner Athletic Conference as well. well. Let's jump right into it at the FCS ranks. And again, for those who uh, you know ha- don't listen every single week, we review three or four games from the previous week, so that'll be week seven. And then we preview three or four games for the upcoming week, that'll be week eight. So we'll start with the preview section, week seven. We'll start in the FCS ranks. Number 20 SFA moved on to or moved to four and three on the season and 1-0 in the WAC with a 41-24 win over Tarleton. The Jacks outscored uh, the now 4-2 Texans 27-14 in the second half. Quarterback Trey Self, 253 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Mo Wedman and Xavier Gibson combined for 10 of those catches for 211 yards and a score. Tarleton threw two interceptions and only averaged 3.2 yards a rush. Corey, is SFA starting to build some momentum? Are they starting to look like a team that maybe we thought we'd see before the season started. Sure looks like it. You know, Colby Carthel mentioned after the Battle of the Piney Woods that his team was, they were starting to figure it out on defense. They had a lot more transfers than I think we realized, and I think that played a role into some of the early struggles. And so they had to get that together. The other thing is they have a whole new defensive coaching staff pretty much because they all went to Louisiana Tech. So that created a problem excuse me as well. And so now you have them getting into the season. They had that bye week. They had the game against the NAI really starting to get it together. And the first half was, was a battle. I look, Tarleton's good. Tarleton's a solid team and they put up a fight with them. Then when they got to the, to the second half, you just really saw SFA start to own the game. They got the running game going. They, they had, the offense really started to click and that defense that that pass rush is back. And that pass rush was a key to last year's playoff run. And that pass rush got to Bo Allen and forced him to throw some, to make some throws and make some errors that they took advantage of. And then when you have a guy like Xavier Gibson, he's always a momentum changer with that 84 yard. He only needs a little bit of daylight, and then he's gone. Is all. So, yeah, I think the Lumberjacks are starting to hit their stride. Yeah, I felt like early on in the year, there was questions about the defense with the new defensive coordinator and how all that adjustment was going on. I know Colby Carthel told me that 
that that took a little bit longer than he thought it was going to be. It wasn't as seamless as a, as a transition as he thought it was going to be. And then also earlier in the year, it, it felt like they were using Gibson more as a decoy sometimes and kind of overthinking his uh, value or role in the offense instead of just like, that's our dude. We're going to force feed him the ball. Y'all figure out how to stop it. It feels like both of those concerns, the defense is starting to figure some stuff out and Xavier Gibson starting to become the guy that we thought he was going to be before the season starts. Those are two great signs for the Jacks. It is. And that's, that's going to be the key for them. And the offense runs your Wilson. We know this, but so does everybody else that they play. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, they, they were definitely trying to uh, use him kind of as a decoy, but I, I mean, it's hard to say that Xavier Wills, Xavier Gibson should ever be a decoy. Yeah, he had, you look at his targets. He had nine in the first game against Jacksonville State. They did not target Corn. He had five against La Tech, eight against Warner, six in the Sam Houston game. He caught all six of those. Then he had 10. He caught nine of 10 targets at Abilene Christian. All four of his targets last week, they're not having to get him the ball eight to 10 times on a target, but if you could get in that five, six, seven range that he's able to catch, that's enough that's going to change the game right there. And when he gets those kinds of targets, his ability to receive goes up. Hit, hit by pro football focus, his grades are 84 and above when he gets that many targets. He, he just is really, really good at that point. So I, I think they're starting to figure out on offense how to get him. They got a running game going. Miles yeah. Reed was, was huge in the running game last week as well and it, more of that's I think than it is Miles Reed you know they had some offensive line changes too and they're still trying to get that ironed out so if they get that running game going with the ability of the passing attack you know and limit some of his turnover worthy plays some plays that could be interceptions the SFA has a real chance they're they're leading the A-Sun whack uh, power rankings right now which is how the automatic bids being determined and if they keep winning it's hard to say they're going to fall out of that spot. Next up from the week seven review, Texas A&M Commerce won its third straight in a 40 to 15 win over McNeese. The win was Commerce head coach David Bayless, a hundred career win. The Lions dominated the line of scrimmage rushing for a hundred more yards than McNeese. McNeese did not score in the second half. Corey, you know, we've talked about David Bayless a lot. I jokingly call him the Kevin Bacon of the state. How impressed are you with the job he is doing currently at Commerce? Because this feels like the quintessential David Bailiff coaching job. Take over a program without a lot of expectations, overmeet those expectations quicker than everybody thought that he was going to. That that seems like the recipe everywhere he goes. It, it's 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 kind of funny because when we look at the career of, of David Bailiff at Texas A&M Commerce, you look previous that before the Texas state, he took him, you know, to national semifinals and he went to rice and he was outstanding at rice in a, a place that is so challenging. Hardest, to coach job, at with hardest job in the FBS ranks. Oh yes. Right. There. I think it's right there with Stanford. It, it's harder than Stanford because it yep. just doesn't have, have that, uh, you know, that tradition, but the, the academic standards are so high. It's so tough. Uh, and then he comes to commerce and he got to commerce with national title implication. Like the, the expectations were high and he never lived up to those. Obviously they didn't win. Not that it was his fault, but the team just didn't quite perform as well as they should. Then we come into an FCS. They, they moved to FCS and you start thinking, 
okay, well, they, they were struggling at, you know, at the end of two run, how are they going to be when they get to FCS? This is when David Bailiff shines. This is what, this is when he's at his best. You doubt him. You put him as an underdog and he is going to show you different. And he's done that this year, an incredible coaching job. Uh, Eric Rodriguez, the quarterback has, has been really good. They've got, they got good wide receiver core. I worry a little bit about the offense right now because they're they're really a big play offense, and sometimes those you know defenses if they start to figure that out and play a more of a deep zone and make them move the ball down the field, I'm not sure Commerce can do that. But you know, forces them to try. They're going to keep hitting those deep passes, and they've got the wideouts and the quarterback able to make it happen, and the coaching staff that is. Uh, that's really uh, doing well. And, and one other point I want to say about, about the Lions. The start of the season, they didn't look very good at times. And it, it seems like there was some turnover. There were some players that left uh, more than just what, you know, more than Jagger LaRoe. He wasn't the only one that transferred out or, or entered the portal or will enter the portal. However, that stuff's working these days. <laughs> but they... They seemed that those changes seemed to kind of galvanize the team. They were a problem, but sometimes chemistry issues can lie with good people. And I, I think they've really found kind of a recipe there. And now this week they have a very winnable game. Next week they host UIW. They win these next two weeks. Northwestern State does not see a problem at that point. And if if they can find a way at home to take care of UIW, this is a team that could win the win the Southland title in the season, and no one thought that was possible coming into it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't always have to be about bad guys versus good guys. Just sometimes, and I know this sounds cliche in coach speak, but if everybody's not rowing in the same direction, it doesn't matter. You can be the greatest guy in the world if you're just not a hundred percent bought in. That's contagious. Everybody starts to see that. So. You know, a lot of times the football program, there's addition by subtraction where, you know, it's like, hey, we wish you all the best of luck. But if you're not all the way in this thing, jump out and we'll just let somebody who is all the way in this thing go. So uh, definitely a, a, an improvement uh, there for commerce. And, and like you said, a, a couple of big weeks coming up with that UIW game in two weeks. Next up, Texas Wesleyan is now six and one on the season after a 53 to 28 road win over Langston, a ranked Langston squad. The Rams are now on a three game winning streak. Their only loss came back in mid September against a nationally ranked Ottawa university, Arizona squad. Wesleyan gained 436 yards in the win, including 329 on the ground. Corey, the Rams and six and one are six and one. Are you a believer? Oh, I'm I'm completely bought in to Texas Wesleyan. This is a very solid team, and I think a team that should be a playoff team in the NAIA this year. I think they've proven that. You know that that loss. The one good thing for them, both of they had Ottawa at home. They they just didn't execute in the red zone in that game. And you know when you play a good team, that's what it comes down to a lot of times. Now they hosted another good team with Langston this last week, and. And they just they started it off with an 84-yard kickoff return. That's how they opened the game with a special teams touchdown. Broodhope decided to go for two. They went for two, and they got it. So now you put eight points up, and you just asserted yourself that we're here, 
we mean business. We're ready to go. It's to the fourth quarter. And Texas wet, we know they've got a great offense. They've got a great defense. The the area that's been at, at times a kind of a struggle for them has been some special teams. They had that kickoff return. Then they get to the fourth quarter, and they're up 12 points. They're up 33-21, and they line up for a, a field goal, a, about a 40-yard field goal, and they run – they execute – perfectly execute a fake field goal they kind of run they take in they run him around behind the snapper tosses him the ball he throws it downfield guys wide open goes into the end zone and, and any momentum that land to come back at that point was gone it, it was over at, that's when you could put the nail in the coffin with 12 minutes to go in the game because that the and that's what that's what you want to see from them. Now they're winning all three phases, and they have a chance to win the Sooner Athletic Conference title. But the only way that's going to happen this week is if Langston sets Ottawa. I believe that is at home. I believe Langston's at home this week. So, look, Ottawa lost a game to Arizona Christian, so we know they're beatable. If Langston can take care of them at home, is right back at the top of the Sooner Athletic Conference and. What a story. They just resurrected their program about five years ago, and yeah. they're sitting here knocking on that national playoff door. It, it is outstanding. Yeah, really cool story to follow. Speaking of a cool story to follow, our last game on the review of Week 7, Texas College broke a 19-game losing streak with a 38-34 win over Leon. Do you say that like the French, like, is it Lyon? Is it Lyon? Like I, there's a soccer team. Like that's a, that's a city in France, right? Mm-hmm. Like Lyon, you know, and I, I think, I think they're all going to make fun of me for saying it in the French way when it's probably just Lyon or something like that. I think it is Lyon. I think <laughs> uh, I, I have no idea. I would just like to say I'm pronouncing it correctly. However they pronounce it is, is wrong. Um <laughs> But Texas College trailed by 18 points. I think they broke a 19 game losing streak. I'm sorry. Texas College trailed by 18 points entering the fourth quarter before scoring 22 unanswered down the stretch to win the game. A 99 yard touchdown pass with 5:39 on the clock provi- provided the winning margin. Corey, what does this mean for Texas College to just kind of get over that hump? I know one win. Not all wins are created equal. This win feels like one that's worth a lot more than just a win in the win column. Oh, it's it's huge, and also I believe it is pronounced like the French city. So okay, you may good. actually be yeah. right, and it's very possible I'm wrong. So nice, nice. <laughs> there, there you go. You, uh, that European soccer is really paying off for me. Craving with the win this morning. <laughs> there you go. Uh, th- this win for Texas College. I I can't say I saw it coming, but you saw the building blocks going there. Look, this school, they don't have a budget like any other team in any college football. The budget's just not there. They've been through about three coaches in the last three years that they've actually played because they didn't play during the uh, pandemic year. So, and, and then Greg Ellis was there, who's now the coach at, at Sagu, and, and he had done what he could. He spent a year there. They when you've lost your entire team following the pandemic, it's really tough. And so he moved on to Sagu. Great choice by him. They bring in a new coach, and it it looked bad to start the year like we kind of expected. But then to see them competing 
in these games. When they played Wayland Baptist, they were right there for a while. They've been really close to see them figure it out the right time. A 22-point fourth quarter to come back and get that win. So thrilling. And that's the kind of momentum. That's the kind of win when you're really building a program from ground zero again that you could take on that recruiting trail. It gives a it gives a spark to the school. It gives a spark to the community. You don't need another game this year. It's been a successful season for Texas College. I, I know they're going to keep that to recruits and people want to start being a part of that yeah i mean it's a proof of concept win you know not only do you get to go on the recruiting trail into your fan base into the administration but you get to go into your own locker room and go guys look we're doing this right like not only are you getting close and getting on the doorstep but you can win these football games we can close these football games out if you just keep up with what we're doing right now as you mentioned they had gotten close and been knocking on the door sometimes that can be a little bit like uh it can get you down, you know, cause you're like, yeah, well, it, we, we just can't get over the hump. We can't get over the hump. We can't get over the hump to finally get over the hump. It's just, it's gotta be a feeling of relief and just to know, Hey, we can do this thing. Here we are. Now it's not that big of a deal. Now it's not a talking point. Now you can just go play football and be a football program like everyone else. It can be very. Doesn't work, but I'll, All right, that'll do it for our week seven review. Corey, let's get into week eight. I, you know, before we get into this, I'd like to point out, I think I've been in a funk the last week or two, like just like, you know, having an existential crisis and everything like that. I feel a lot better this week. And here's my theory. I think I had like a, like a, a mid-season crisis. You know how people talk about like a midlife crisis? There's something about week five, week six, where it's like, man, this has already been a really long season. There's still like half the season to go. But then once you kind of get over that hill of week seven, it feels like kind of a downhill into like the best part of the season. And so I'm excited uh, about week eight for that for that reason. It feels like a renewed energy, a renewed life on this side of, of the camera. Week eight starts. Let's start with the big one. Texas A&M Kingsville 7 and 0 at Angelo State or no, Kingsville 6 and 0, Angelo State 7 and 0, 6 p.m. on Saturday, Kingsville hung on to a 13-10 win over UT Permian Basin last week. Angelo State rolled to a 52-13 win over Western New Mexico. The Rams have only played in one one possession game all season, an overtime loss to the Colorado School of Mines back in week 2. The Havelinas on the other hand, are three and zero oh in one possession games. Corey, do you think that experience playing in close games helps uh, helps this week, or, or do you see this as as a blowout for Angelo State, and they won't have to worry about dealing with the uh, one possession stuff? Well, first off, it's the Lone Star Conference, so there's no telling what's going to happen this week. But I can tell you, Angelo State is good, and they've been playing really good. They've been playing really well at home. Kingsville is up and down. They've been kind of playing to the level of their competition. This is building this. He he got there. His first his first game was was the pandemic year in the spring. So he this is really his second full season as the coach. And so you're seeing some of these growing Havelinas. 
really, it is a play into the level of the competition. While on the other side, you have Angelo State, who's already gone past that with Jeff Gersh. Gersh is he took over a decent program that was a little bit down at the end of the season a few years ago, and now they've gone through that plane to the level of competition, and now they're just dominating. I watched some of that game against Western New Mexico. Uh, first half, first quarter, the game was still close, but the yardage was like 90 yards rushing, and Western New Mexico had like 12 total yards, and it didn't get better in the second quarter. It got It was a blowout quickly. That kind of domination at a tough place. Silver City is a hard place to go. It's a long trip. The field's weird. The way they have it set up with the scoreboard behind the visiting team and no stands on the visiting side, it, it is a tough to go play. And Angela went in there and just dominated a, a good uh, Western New Mexico team. So they look set. Now, they weren't looking. Western New Mexico, I doubt they're looking past Texas A&M Kingsville, too. So the have a lead is better be ready. And they've been struggling. They've been having to come back late in games and figure out how to try to to get a win and, and do it late. I Look, this is one of those games. It feels like Angelo wins easily. But don't count out the Javelinas because that team is a fighting team. They're not going to quit. And so I could see this being in those one score games at the end of it. Yeah. I think I'd have more confidence in Kingsville. If this was in Kingsville going on the road, playing at home or playing on the road against a, an Angelo state team playing at home with all that momentum seems like a tough one. Uh, for me, this seems like a first quarter football game. If Kingsville can keep this one within, you know, punching distance after the first quarter, they have a chance. Cause like you said, they're used to coming back. They're used to kind of rallying from slow starts. But if they have a typical slow start and Angelo State just kind of rolls to a you know two, three possession uh, lead at the end of the first quarter, midway through the second quarter, I just don't know if you can catch up with this Angelo State team in that way because they don't make a lot of mistakes and they can run the football. No, that's just because Angelo's biggest weakness the last couple of years a lot of times has been the second half. So if, if Kingsville is within striking distance at halftime, they're going to have confidence because they've been a second half team. So if, if they can hang in there that first half, but that's a large task because this Angelo State, the offense is solid, the deep is solid, the special teams is okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a tall task to go into Angelo and try to get a win this week. But if there's any team in the Lone Star Conference this year that could do it, it's this Kingsville team. So who you got, Angelo State? I, I'm going to go Angelo State. I just think that uh, in – they're just the more solid team. I'm, I would give it probably a touchdown difference at the end, and that that might be with Kingsville scoring a, a little bit in the fourth quarter to get it there. Uh, just Angelo feels dominant. Like this team is on a mission, and when you get a team on a mission that every week they see they look to remain focused, uh, that's a team that's scary. And they've played Colorado School of Mines is one of the best teams in the region. Angelo's one of those teams this year. They're ranked number two now. That's a team that really is a Final Four quality team this year. And, man, they're just building momentum and building confidence as they go. Next up, Barry, 4-2 and two at Trinity, who is still 6-0 and oh and undefeated. Uh, perfect after a 45 to nothing win over Rhodes. Four games remaining for the Tigers. 
Is Barry the toughest challenge remaining in conference play for Trinity? Uh, Barry and center are the, the two toughest challenges remaining in the Trinity first complete game together last week. It's You know, I don't know that Barry is necessarily the toughest team remaining because you've got center left, and center is a good team. But what we saw from Trinity last week, domination. They finally came out, put a full game together, did things that we expect from a team that wants to be a national title contender. Now I'm looking for the Tigers to build off of that. I want to see – I'm not expecting a blowout win over Barry, but I want to see a convincing win over Barry this week shows me that they're still building and they need to start building quickly because we are week eight and there's only a couple weeks left before we hit playoffs. So now's the time you want to start playing your best football and, and Barry coming in and then having center right after that. I, I think this is when we'll see if Trinity really is that national title contender. Yeah. I mean, how often does that flip get switched? You know what I mean? Where, you know, how important are those last three or four games in, in terms of just like getting into your peak form before playoffs get there? Because there, there can't be many teams that can just kind of throw that one on. No, they're, they're not. And, and Trinity is – you can't throw a switch against Barry because they're they're too good a team. If you don't come out ready and prepared to play from against Barry and center, they, they will upset you. And they've, they've played some top 25 teams pretty close this year. So – this is one of those, especially for a team like Trinity, they need confidence. You know, you, you take a Mary Harden Baylor, they're not lacking for confidence. They know what they can do in the playoffs. They're one of those teams that can kind of switch come, come the first seat week of the playoffs. Trinity is one of those. They're still building to that area. And so they need to, to, to be really be playing their best football. Now's the time they need to start figuring out some of the things on offense get the defense a little more solid back to the level it was last year and and then really build momentum towards the playoff run because the first round of the playoffs, you know you're either probably going to get Mary Harden-Baylor or Harden-Simmons, and that's going to be really challenging. So now's your time to get ironed out. Last game of the preview of Week 8, Prairie View A&M 3-3 three three at Lamar 0-6. The game is at Saturday at 4 p.m., the Panthers were humbled a little bit last time out in a 45-13 loss to former head coach Eric Dooley and his new-look Southern squad. They may have been humbled before or after the game, too, in, in a fight. We're not really sure who won, who lost that one. Uh, Lamar looking for its first win of the season. A prayer view is going to be out around a dozen players who were suspended uh, based on that kind of uh, brouhaha uh, with Southern. Uh, Corey, what are your kind of thoughts on, on that and, and this game? Well, look, that the little pregame fight, I don't know who it is. They're not going to name which players are suspended, but there were 10 players from Prairie View that will be that will miss this week's game. And they just found out yesterday, which is still time. You know, they had a bye week and so did Lamar. This game is very interesting to me because now you've got Prairie View, who was humbled by the former coach, Eric Dooley, and, and that hurt. And then you had the pregame fight that didn't feel any better. <laughs> then your school gets fined $10,000 for 
because they didn't comply with the game day management decorum that the SWAC has. You know, there there's some bad vibes, and you know that a lot of times that leads a team that'll galvanize a team. You've got ten players down. Bubba McDowell's going to use this. They've got the motivation, and they're playing a Lamar team that's struggling, but they can be competitive at times. They've had a week off at perfect timing for them, and don't put it past Blade Morgan. This is a sneaky close game. This is one I'm really going to kind of keep an eye on because I'm really interested to see how this goes. Prairie View, by on paper, should probably win this game most people would think fairly handily, I think probably double digits. But Lamar is sneaky good. And on the other side, though, Prairie View could come out and just roll because Bubba McDowell, no, he, he's already as a, as a motivating tool heading into this week. Yeah, these things can go one of two ways. Either they can pull everybody together and it's us against the world. We're without 10 guys. You know, let's go prove that we're better than what we look like against Southern. Or it can be one of those things where the wheels fall off. And this is kind of, it starts to show cracks in the foundations. And all of a sudden you look up and the team unravels. So um, we're either going to see a a really motivated and and good Panther squad, or we're going to see a Lamar team that's able to to get this upset or or maybe make this one get close. And then maybe in the fourth quarter, that depth not having 10 scholarship players starts to play on Prairie View, because it's not like these guys have 85 scholarship players like at the FBS level. Depth is already a concern. You take away 10 guys, and you know things can get dicey pretty quick. Well, they can, and, and you know, especially when you talk about a travel roster. Yeah, you know, it's shorter than what you'd have if you're playing a home game, so that that hurts even more. At the FCS level, your starters are usually pretty good. Your backups may be pretty solid, and you start getting into that the third and fourth string. You start getting to those those guys that, that aren't just quite ready for that level of football. And when you go play a Lamar team that's still young but experienced at, at the FCS level, that could lead to problems. Uh, my overall opinion on this, I think Prairie View responds in a way this week. I, I just I'm a fan of Bubba McDowell. I think he knows the how to gauge the temperature of his team and how to get his team motivated for this. I see he'll use this as a positive, and if he does it, it would surprise me, actually, if they if they go out to Lamar and they don't play one of their better games of the year. Also a fan of Bubba McDowell. I grew up an Oilers fan, so I've been a fan of Bubba McDowell for 30, 30-something years of my life uh, to date me. Um, Corey, that'll do it uh, for us this week. Again, um, please rate, subscribe, download all that stuff on the, on the podcast uh, venue of your choice. We put out the Texas 47. I published that right before we started recording this. So if you're listening, that is out there. That's a a piece that we put all 47 programs in the state of Texas into one of six tiers. We're going to have to make that 48 pretty soon uh, with the RGV uh, team coming up. Sam Houston's moving up the FBS level. So a lot of changes there. Uh, But I've enjoyed putting that together uh, with Corey. It's just a great little snapshot at the state. It's a good way. if If you're having a hard time, keeping up with 47 programs. Cause like even we do, you know, so like it's understandable if you do uh, it's a good little, you know, take you 10 minutes to just kind of look through there give you a good idea of where everybody's at, where everybody stacks up against each other. Uh, it's been a fun piece to get together. If you have any suggestions, any other tiers, anything like that, please send us our way. We'll put them uh, into consideration for next year. Always trying to get better. The blitz. We'll, we'll add one tier next year. 
Yeah, we will add one to your next year. That's a little tease. That's a little tease. Um, And then uh, Corey's got the Blitz that comes out every single Wednesday. What are some of the things that you'll be talking about this week? Well, we're going to go into, you know, David Bailiff, David Bailiff, his 100th career win. And where does he rank in Texas A&M Commerce program history by win percentage? Some interesting things came out when I was looking at that there. Uh, you've got Sam Houston. They've got an opponent now for NRG next year in a home, a home and home. Got a quote in there from Bubba McDowell after, you know, what he felt following the the fight and, and how he kind of saw it because he wasn't down on the field at the time. He was running down there as he saw it happen from his office. That's some of that going on there. We have some outstanding performances. Uh, Simon Frazier has moved two home games back to Canada. So one of those is West Texas A&M. And so there's, uh, there's going to be some, some interesting things coming with that right there. Kyle King setting more records at UMHB. He, he's going to leave there. He, he's going to leave with his name in the record book, a lot of places right there. And then of course we got to go over a little bit of the South of the S- <laughs> Southwest junior college football. College. You know, our Juco schools, Trinity Valley's, they had a really nice win, uh, but good Lord, only there's two teams eliminated from the playoffs. So that helps a little bit, but man, this conference is much fun to watch every week. It's wide open. It's wide open. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super interested in that West Texas A&M trip up to the Vancouver area, just because I love that kind of stuff, right? Like you're a college kid living, you know, 30 minutes from Amarillo or wherever Canyon is, and then you get to go to like, British Columbia to play a football game, not even just to play a football game, but a conference football game, uh, a very unique situation there. So uh, please make sure to check out the blitz every single week on Wednesday. Corey will also have a game of the week piece uh, preview up for a week eight game for Mike Craven, Corey Hogue, Republic of football, Dave Campbell's Texas football. We will see you next Tuesday.